Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our 2020 Pentecost Sunday broadcast. We are excited to share tonight a reading in Acts chapter 2, a panel of four guests, and Arash's own Pentecost story as we continue in our theme of My Personal Pentecost. We hope you find tonight's broadcast to be both encouraging and inspiring. If you have not had your own personal Pentecost, God wants to share this gift of the Holy Spirit with you. So now, let's turn to a reading of Acts 2. E aproximando-se o dia de Pentecost, estavam todos reunidos no mesmo lugar. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Y hecho este estruendo, se juntó la multitud, y estaban confusos porque cada uno les oía hablar en su propia lengua. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia. Through Pamphylia, Egypt, and in the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What, the, what can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward, with the eleven other apostles, and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. En aquellos días derramaré mi espíritu incluso en mis sirvientes, hombres y mujeres por iguales, y ellos profetizarán. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon shall turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pueblo de Israel, escuchen esto. Jesús de Nazaret fue un hombre acreditado por Dios ante ustedes con milagros, señales y prodigios, los cuales realizó Dios entre ustedes por medio de él, como bien lo saben. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death, 
and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue sings his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. For he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and all are we are witness of this. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath sent forth this which ye now see and hear. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand. Hasta que humille a tus enemigos, haciéndolos un escabel debajo de tus pies. Pas jamin hune of Israel, yagin bedan ke choda hami isa shoma masul kardin. Chodavad mase shadehas. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said, Change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. El cumplimiento de esta promesa comenzará con la Pascua, cuando Pedro y los discípulos bautizaron a tres mil personas. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all that believed met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being blessed. Hi, Newark QPC. It's nice to be joining you on this Pentecost Sunday. So your pastor asked me to address this question, how did Pentecost change North America in the 20th century? Now, let's put this into perspective using both the narrative in Scripture as well as the narrative that historians have reconstructed about the Pentecostal movement in the 20th century. So the day of Pentecost as experienced 50 days following the resurrection of Jesus has had global reverberations. Jesus had promised his disciples that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. 
Far beyond the Galileans' known civilized world of the first century, the Holy Spirit experience on the day of Pentecost would shape continents unknown to the faithful 120 gathered on the upper room. This includes uh, the North American continent, two millennia later, and on the other side of the globe. From the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, beginning in 1906, it would spread all over again unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The day of Pentecost would be a cornerstone of modern Pentecostal theology. This has resulted in an entirely different way of reading the Bible and relating to it. It's a theology that foregrounds bodily experiences of the manifest infilling of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals often say to non-Pentecostals, try Pentecost or come and experience it for yourself. These are all ways of foregrounding experience over, say, some sort of abstract teaching. So the day of Pentecost and subsequent events in the Acts of the Apostles almost entirely subsumes the historical consciousness of early Pentecostal writers. We can see this in their writings. This isn't necessarily good historical practice, but they held on to the idea that the 20th century Pentecostal movement was directly tied to the first century church with, little, with uh, very little to no historical mediation. Pentecostal writers often viewed history simultaneously as providential, the idea that God's behind history, cyclical, that patterns of the Holy Spirit are recurring, and restorationist, that the modern uh, Pentecostal movement was a restoration of the first century church. Attempts to restore practices from the day of Pentecost have shaken Christianity. Most notably, divine healing and speaking in tongues has piqued much interest across the globe. So globally, it's projected that one in four Christians are of a Pentecostal or charismatic persuasion. By charismatic, this includes those who follow after the charismata, or that is the, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, charismatics can be found in their own sort of separate spheres. They can be found in the ranks of Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, and so on. The most explosive growth and really the center of gravity of Christendom and of the Pentecostal movement specifically has been in the global south, especially in countries throughout Asia, Latin America, and Africa. So if we turn to North America, in countries such as El Salvador or Guatemala, we can see that it is more likely that a Christian belongs to some sort of Pentecostal or charismatic uh, tradition than those who do not. And in the Catholic Church, the charismatic tradition is especially prominent. In the United States, attempts to live out experiences of the day of Pentecost have shaken all parts of Christianity. There is no religious tradition or denomination that has not felt the rushing mighty winds of Pentecost. Exact figures, as you can tell by now, are hard to come by, but researchers can safely put it somewhere between 10 million to 29 million. Driving growth of Pentecostalism today is largely the evangelization of individuals coming from the global south, or at reverse missions as we call it. That is, um, countries that are historically on the receiving end of U.S. missionaries are now sending uh, their own missionaries to the global north, especially in the U.S. and countries throughout Europe. So many immigrants uh, come eager to engage in a, in a Pentecostal community or some sort of charismatic community, and they're looking for this all over across North America, including Newark. It is important to remember that even though Pentecostals take great delight in all things Pentecost, no one Christian tradition has a monopoly over Pentecost Sunday. 
Pentecost Sunday precedes all creeds and even the very category of Christian. Therefore, annual celebrations of Pentecost Sunday are an opportune moment for Pentecostals to share a biblical experience with the broader world of Christianity. It is a time to remember that shared experiences can be brought about from every nation under heaven. Acts 2 is an, is an enormously spiritual chapter. Literally, it's a pouring out of the Spirit. And one can just focus on that. But it's also an intensely um, human experience that can be found in that chapter. It describes people who can't understand each other, people from different social classes and ethnic backgrounds who have historically despised each other. So Pentecost is a reminder how the Holy Spirit is to be found out of those from every nation under heaven. Pentecost Sunday celebrations are a moment for Pentecostals to build bridges by showing how their experiences have scriptural precedent. Now, we don't get the Christian Pentecost Sunday without Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Pentecost is a celebration, yes, and it's also a reminder that Jesus did not forsake his church, but that he came back as a rushing mighty wind. God bless you, New York. As a little girl, I remember praying, Lord, I want to be your hands and your feet in my world. This is a prayer I prayed frequently, not realizing the magnitude of the prayer I was praying day after day, year after year. Today, I find myself walking the hallways of a trauma one level hospital and praying the same prayer. Lord, let me be your hands and your feet in my world. Let me be attentive to your voice. Let me be attuned to your spirit. Put words in my mouth. Let me know when to pause and offer silence and when to speak. Let me use the rod and the staff you've given me. Today, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and smell the stink of grave clothes, let me hold onto the cross of Calvary and remember that there is hope because you live. As a spiritual chaplain, I recognize I can't do anything on my own. I must lean on the Holy Ghost to serve God and my neighbor. One of my first experiences as a chaplain was when I stepped into an ICU room with a patient who was screaming in pain. His eyes were rolled back, his fists were clenched, and his body racked in this pain that gripped his entire being. He was actively dying and the medication to ease this pain had not yet kicked in. By his side sat his wife who was sobbing. And I remember kneeling beside her and putting my arm around her. That is when she looked at me and she said, I don't know if he's right with God. At that moment, I remember praying and crying out to God and saying, God, what can I say? What can I say? I don't know what to say. At that very moment, God put a thought in my mind and I looked at her with kindness and I said, I don't know, but would you like to pray? Together we can find the words and we can surrender him into the hands of our loving God. And so we did, we surrendered him to God. That was a great aha moment for me on my first shift when I realized the power of the Holy Ghost and that I can lean on him as I offer care to others. For me, hospital chaplaincy is a calling where I partner with God and do kingdom work. I have come to realize that life is but a mere breath, but more so I've come to realize in the amazing love of God, that he calls us beloved, that he has shaped us all in his image and likeness, and he gives us all a beautiful gift called free will. 
Each one of us must make a decision for ourselves whether we choose to love God, to serve him, to follow him for the rest of our life or not. This, if you ask me, if my experiences as a hospital chaplain have impacted me, yes, I would have to say absolutely without a shadow of doubt. I get to question and wrestle with God about different things. I work out my faith. I engage God in a conversation with all that I have seen and all that I do. We may not all be called to serve as chaplains or pastors or teachers or any part of the five-fold ministry, but we're all called to be witnesses of Christ. We are all called to live out our faith and we're all called to love our neighbor. So I want to encourage all of us today to let's step out. Let's choose God. Let's choose to walk in his ways. And let's choose to love each other and our neighbor. God bless. Hello, church family. I'm Pastor Richie Johnson and NAM Virginia District Secretary out of Withrow, Virginia here at First Church. And I want to share with you what Pentecost Sunday means to me. Just a few weeks ago, I met with a local pastor here in our town, right here in Whitfield. We met right here in our church, right behind me at that table. And we began to discuss kind of the struggles and we began to discuss some of the complications that we're having as local pastors during a stay-at-home order and during our quarantine, as you've probably experienced yourself. And he asked me, Pastor Richie, how have you been handling the quarantine? And I told him with a smile on my face, I've been handling it with the Holy Ghost. And he began to ask me questions about the Holy Ghost. And I got to share with him the Pentecostal experience. The same experience that took place on Pentecost Sunday in your Bible in Acts chapter 2. As we began to talk and as we began to reason the scriptures, he explained to me how his particular uh, faith background and his faith uh, practice did not permit them to have this experience. He began to share how his organization did not necessarily believe that Pentecost was not for us today, that it only took place in the scriptures. I looked that pastor in his eye and I said, I believe that Pentecost still happens today. And I said, if you want to experience Pentecost for yourself, I will pray with you. And the same Jesus that came in the upper room in the book of Acts, that same Jesus will show up with us at our table. He looked at me kind of square in the face, and he says, do you really believe that? I said, I do, because the saints here at First Church, we experience Pentecost. I, around the world and around our community, when we pray with people, they experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said these words. He said, if Jesus wants me to experience this gift of the Holy Ghost, then I am open for it. And right there, right behind me at that table, we prayed. And in three minutes, his hands were lifted into the air. Tears were coming down his face. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A week or so later, this particular pastor reached out to me again. And he said, I want my congregation to experience Pentecost the same way I experienced it with you at your church. How do we get together again when the quarantine is over? And how can my church receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I'm excited at what God is going to do here in Whitfield. 
We're going to have the biggest explosion. We're going to have the biggest move of the Holy Ghost that we've ever had in the history of Whitfield, Virginia. Right here. Why? Because Pentecost is still available. So if you're watching this video and if you're listening to my words today, I pray that you experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost just like they did on the day of Pentecost. God bless. Pentecost. Pentecost around the world. My beginnings in Pentecost was about 53 years ago as a 13-year-old young man that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. Marvin Walker, who was in our church at that time, who now pastors in Michigan, invited me to go to the altar as I went to church that night just because a couple of pretty girls invited me to go. But that night I received the Holy Ghost. But thank God since that time, God has allowed me to see Pentecost going around the world. I have been privileged to see people in North America receive the Holy Ghost. And then as a 25-year-old young man, I was appointed as a missionary to the country of El Salvador. I'll never forget after language school in Costa Rica, I went and preached in a place called Congo. That was on October the 26th, 1980, one day before my birthday. I'll never forget as I preached that day, the place was packed, and I'll never, ever, ever uh, get out of my mind that day when God filled 100 people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that little church that was made out of mud and sticks, bamboo sticks. What a great beginning on the mission field. That was my experience, of course, seeing them filled with the Holy Ghost. Then I'll never forget when we had a convention where 439 were filled with the Holy Ghost. Then another convention where we had 1,013 people filled with the Holy Ghost. Then another convention where over 2,000. And then I guess the greatest thing that I ever saw in El Salvador was in 2015 on the 40th anniversary of the United Pentecostal Church in El Salvador, Pentecost, in the largest stadium of the country. We saw in one service 3,842 people filled with the Holy Ghost. Men were healed. One man got out of a wheelchair. Ladies were healed. What great Pentecost there was. Since that time, and I thank God, the United Pentecostal Church was formed as an organization in 1945. We were in nine nations at that time and territories. Today, I'm happy to tell you that we have opened up 221 nations and territories because we're now in 230 different places. I wish I had time to tell you how Pentecost has visited all of those places, but let me tell you a few experiences. Number one, let me tell you about China. I was in China, and I'll never forget as we went there that day. My wife and I had to go hidden in a taxi, and then we went up to the penthouse in that tall apartment building. And that day they asked me to preach two hours. I will never forget as eight people were filled with the Holy Ghost in that penthouse. It was one of the neatest experiences I've ever had. When service was over, we had to slip out. Then I'll never forget when I was in Turkey. And I preached in Turkey in a church that had been a church that was not a oneness church. They did not believe in the oneness of God. Baptism in Jesus' name. I remember as I preached there, I saw God fill. I can't remember the number now, but I think it was 17 or 20 that received the Holy Ghost in Istanbul, Turkey, as we preached the Word of God. 
Pentecost around the world. Then I remember when I was in Democratic Republic of Congo with our missionary, flew out into an area, but then we went to a service. I think it was in Lumbumbashi. Remember as we prayed that day for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and there was a large number that received the Holy Ghost. I thank God because in that service, I heard people that received the Holy Ghost that French was their language speaking in English as God filled them. There were two of them. And then in Vanuatu, I remember preaching a crusade in the Liberty Park there, and a lady that did not speak Spanish, when she received the Holy Ghost, I heard her speak in perfect Spanish. Pentecost around the world. And I thank God for that. Pentecost is something that you can have. It's not a day. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday, but really Pentecost is every day. It's the experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues. I've seen people receive it in large crowds. I guess the largest crowd that I've ever seen was over 100,000 people in a service where there was over a half million people received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time. And then one. And let me conclude by mentioning my mother was not a Christian. She was not saved to the end of her life. When I baptized my mother, she looked at me and said, Bruce, that's my first name. There's no way God can forgive me for everything I've done. But I said, God, Mom, God loves you. I baptized her. Some days later, she was discovered she had lung cancer. Three months before she died, she never felt like she was worthy to receive the Holy Ghost. But I remember when I talked to Mom three months before she passed away, she said, Bruce, I was sitting here at the kitchen table, and God filled me with... <laughs> excuse me, the Holy Ghost. She was at her kitchen table, nobody else around, and she explained to me what happened, and she had her personal Pentecost sitting at her table. I don't know where you are, but I know right now you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you to our four panelists for joining us and sharing your experience and knowledge of Pentecost with us. And now let's turn and join Arash with his own personal Pentecost story. Praise the Lord. So glad you're here with us on Pentecost Sunday. You probably don't know this, but today is my birthday. Not my physical birthday, but my spiritual birthday. I was born again 17 years ago on June 8th, 2003. But before I tell you about my Pentecostal experience, I need to go a little further back so you can grasp the full picture of my experience. I am not a natural born citizen. I'm an immigrant. I'm an Iranian and I immigrated here with my family through the way of Istanbul or Turkey and um, to the States. We were looking for political asylum and a lady had mercy and God had a plan and he opened up the door for us to come to Lansing, Michigan. Great town. We live in a neighborhood that probably was not the best neighborhood and me and my brother would get picked on quite frequently and there was a bully who lived down the street who for some weird reason had a vendetta against me and my brother. One day he pushed me down, punched me in the stomach and he said something to me. You don't belong here. 
a reminder. I do not belong here. Remember how hurtful and painful that was. It's one thing to get punched, but I think words are a little bit more powerful than punches. But it really affected me, and it 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 changed me. I I um, unfortunately became part of my scar and and part of who I was. This idea that I don't belong here because I spent the rest of my life trying to feel like I belong here. So I come to church, and church is, of course, so accepting and so inviting and, and so um, accepting of your culture and your different you know, viewpoints and so excited to have somebody with such a fresh perspective. It was a wonderful thing. And I, I got baptized as a junior in high school. I was 17 years old. And I remember um, as I got baptized, uh, one of the ladies in the church, um, kind of my spiritual mother, Sister Linda, she came up and she said, I want to teach you a Bible study. And I was like, of course, I'd love to have a Bible study. And she taught a year Bible study from Genesis to Revelations, pretty much everything in the Bible. And I learned about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, however you want to say it. And we learned about, it's a, you know, God takes over your tongue. You speak in a language you don't know, the infilling of the Spirit. It's an axe. This experience is for everyone. Anyone can experience this. And I remember we, we Sundays, we would start praying for it. And we didn't go anywhere. We would pray for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Nothing would happen. I'd pray over and over and over. And I remember finally... The year passed, and now we're getting into April, and I turn 18, and the weather gets warmer, and, and nothing. We just keep praying, and nothing seems to happen. And we just keep praying, and nothing keeps happening. Finally, it's Pentecost Sunday. My pastor is preaching. I drive myself to church myself by myself and I park the car I get out of the car and it's a blue sky and I have a white church you know with a, with a big white steeple um, it's a gorgeous building and of course I walk up and there's the glass doors as they open the glass doors and who do I see is Fred uh, our usher and door greeter, who's been there for 35 years, some crazy amount of years. I'm sure he's probably still there. And he shakes my hand. He has all this very, very firm handshake. And then he gives me a big bear hug. I mean, Fred is pretty much all muscle. Um, he's probably three times my age. And he can probably beat me up. And... Um, I just love him. I have very fond memories of him. And he gives me a huge hug. And then I walk down and there is the greeting, the greeting door. They, of course, they give me my pamphlet. And um, uh, who do I see but Sister Compton? And she gives me a huge hug. Says, I'm so glad you're here. And I walk through the door and the back seat to the left you know, from the door's perspective to the left of the sanctuary. Um, that's where I sat. 
because that's where Sister Linda's would sit because it would the, the sound system wasn't so loud to her back there and her and uh, her husband Gilmer and so of course I would go naturally go sit with them and I would sit down and we would talk and have a chat and it was just such a fun 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 day and I remember of course we had a wonderful worship service the presence of God was 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 fully there and the pastor got up and he preached a powerful message about how this is for for everyone anyone can experience this wonderful experience and this is a Pentecostal experience and you're at a Pentecostal church and everyone should at least experience this for themselves and if you don't like it give it back that's what he would say he was a character but he would just say that this is for everyone so of course I I I do my my ritual, I do my prayer, and you know, I'm like praying, and of course, Sister Linda's praying for me, and I, I was in my pew. I didn't go down to the altar. Others went down to the altar and to pray for the Holy Ghost. I stayed in my pew in the back seat. Thank you very much. I didn't want to make a scene. Um, and I prayed. And Sister Linda kind of scooched up and kind of prayed with me. And, you know, I'm kind of huddled down in my pew, don't want anybody to see me. And I just start praying. And I start worshiping God. And I start feeling like God is trying to take control. And, and I'm starting to pray. And, and I feel God kind of over me. And, and I'm feeling really close. Like I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I, I feel like I'm going to pray through and, and, and get the Holy Ghost. And I hear this very loud voice in my mind and it says you don't belong here stop praying for the Holy Ghost go back home and I remember it was just so loud so negative so painful it brought up all these emotions from my childhood what is this? What's going on? And I remember I I hesitated. I, I backpedaled. I I tried to, do I keep praying? What do I do? I, I didn't know what to do. And I remember Sister Linda. She leaned into my to my ear and she said, Arash, that's the devil. You're hearing his voice. He doesn't want you to have the Holy Ghost today. But you are going to get it. <laughs> if she didn't say that, if she wasn't there, I don't know if I would have gotten the Holy Ghost. But God knew. And her reassuring voice, hey, that's just a devil. No biggie. Just keep going. Just keep praying. I know. There's some emotional baggage here. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. God's going to deal with that. Just keep praying. Just keep moving. And sure enough, God's Spirit washed over me. Oh, my goodness. It was this, this warm sensation as it I just like tingled all over my body. And I began to cry hysterically. And I just screaming out. In a language I did not understand. And tears just falling and snot and 
everything just kind of falling. <laughs> I had no dignity. My pride was tossed to the side. And God filled me with this spirit. And I still remember it. It was so powerful. And to think, we all can experience that. Now, your experience might be a little bit different than mine, but you can experience that too. You don't have to be in a church. You can get it at home. You can get it at work. You can get it in the car. You can get it in the bathroom. So this is a side story. But I pulled away from God because I didn't like what he was saying. And I pulled away from church. And 10 months later, I felt God draw me back near him. And I was in my bedroom upstairs studying. And I said, I wonder if I could pray one more time. And I prayed and God spoke through me again. And I spoke in tongues again. And that warm sensation came all over me. And then it hit me. I'm his. I can't get away from this. This experience. It changed me. Changed my plans. Changed what I was planning on doing. And I have no regrets. So glad that I got to experience it. And now, the spirit of belonging, the spirit of community, all that washed over me. And now I belong. Will you pray? Will you allow God to fill you with his spirit? Jesus, we love you. God, we worship you. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you touch my brothers and sisters right now. I know, Lord, they're at home or at work or in their car, wherever they might be. I pray, touch them like you've touched me. And I pray, God, that you would live through them and speak through them like you have spoken through me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. And thank you for celebrating my 17th birthday. God bless.